0: Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710, presented by Puente Hills Toyota. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It is ESPN LA 710. It is a pleasure to be with you here on Soccer Weekly, and we are jumping right in and joining me on the phones right now. He is the owner and president of LAFC and also an ESPN NBA analyst, Tom Penn, taking the time. Tom, a pleasure to talk to you, sir, here on Soccer Weekly. Right back at you. How you doing? All right. Good. Appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. Let's jump right in. Why soccer and why MLS for you?
1: You know, for me personally, it was just such a unique opportunity, Dave, to come to LA and to do a startup from nothing. You know the momentum of this sport better than anybody. You know this city better than anybody. When you put those two things together, along with the ownership group that we were able to put together and the partners and just that whole thing, it made it uh, unique and special, sort of one-of-a-kind, once in a career. It was way too good to pass up. So that was just that's how it stacked up for me.
0: Tom, talk about that ownership group, because that is kind of unique, certainly, in sports. And you've been around sports for a long time, and uh, several different sports, obviously, uh, with your connection to the NBA, especially. Talk about this specific ownership group for LAFC.
2: Yeah, a really diverse group. Um
1: I don't know, here's an example. Today I spent time with Tony Robbins, Chad Hurley, the founder of YouTube, and Peter Goober. You know, we took a visit to the site together and that was just like a snapshot of sort of regular things that happen with any member of the thirty plus owners that we have. Uh, everybody's on board, everybody's engaged, everybody brings what they can bring to the party, and they're all participants, not passengers. That was one of Peter Goober's themes. We don't want any passengers. We want all participants. So everybody has sort of signed up for that and is delivering on that, which has made it, for me, like the best contact list in sports. (laughs) I can call on any one of these men or women to be there when I need them. whatever they can bring to the table it's
0: great this is soccer weekly on espn la 710 we're talking with the owner and president of lafc tom penn and uh, Tom, what does what does lafc mean essentially building this club what does that mean what does it mean yeah Uh, like what what, basically this sport is about passion it's about building a club what does that really mean in the sense of what you guys are trying to do well,
1: for us, I mean, our overarching mission, our promise, is some call it a bold one. We think it's very possible, and it's to unite the world city through the world's game yeah. this This sport means so much to so many of the residents of Greater Los Angeles for various reasons, you know, based on where they come from, based on their age bracket. The demographics are so strong in favor of soccer. And so we wanted to be a unifying factor uh, in L.A. where we could appeal to so many people. And then a key element of that, of course, is the location of our stadium and the fact that we were able to acquire a land lease for 98 years in the heart of the city. You know, we're right at the center of everything, which makes it accessible to everybody, and we wanted to embrace the fact that we're of the city with our design, with our approach, with our you know, our crest, our colors, all that. We want to be a modern and future sort of expression of the world's game in the world city. And that trickles down to how we want to play on the pitch. Uh and really everything has gone through that filter. So that's how we're trying to stay authentic to doing something new and different exciting and fresh in really the world's oldest and most cherished sport
0: tom you have that experience in building a club working in a front office in the nba what what did you want from john thorrington and his staff and then now of course hiring bob bradley in terms of building this club you know what that's like what do you see out of those guys
1: well, they they have a couple of characteristics that we, I personally really valued in soccer operations. Is I wanted guys who are global on the one hand and local on the other hand that have uh, experience on the world stage and have a, a book of uh, their resume has occurred overseas and then a, and then extensive experience locally in the MLS. You know, it's a quirky system, the salary cap, the the, uh, the way you acquire players, the, you know, lack of freedom of movement, all that sort of stuff is just different and unique here. And so I wanted somebody in each case with, with John and with Bob. They both have spent just an appreciable amount of time over in Europe. You know, Bob in various challenging situations. He's been in the MLS, had huge success. Same for John. And then once we're all working together, it's, you see that they're, Different eras, but both incredibly passionate, both very bright, and very collaborative. I mean, we're all about those sorts of things. I like smart people that are willing to share, work together, uh, come up with new ideas, innovate. That's our goal, is to be innovative, open, and take advantage of the horsepower that we have.
0: We're talking with the owner and president of LAFC ESPN NBA analyst Tom Penn joining us here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Tom, when I ask people to ask questions on Twitter that they might be interested in, I got so many of the same kind of questions. And uh, a lot of them have to do with the, the academy and building up this club. Is the uh, training – they're talking about you know the training in the academy site. Is that on schedule f- for you guys?
1: It is, yeah. We have our uh, training facility on budget, on schedule. Two of the four of the best words you like to hear. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's down at the uh, at the uh, Cal State LA on the campus of Cal State LA, and uh, I got to tell you, I got a dignitary coming through here. A police escort. There's all sorts of people shooing everybody out of the way. Hold on, I don't want to get shot. Be
0: careful. Be careful.
1: Um, sure. Uh, So. And I just—I want this kind of treatment. Whoever this is, I'll <laughs> uh, hear. I'll report on it in a second. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. We were talking about the training facility. So yeah, it's on schedule, on budget, on the campus of Cal State LA. Really excited about that. We were able to find a location in the city, which is really exciting and unique. And we were able to uh, uh, have the—we're going to have the academy and the senior team all in one
0: location, which is just terrific. Uh, Tom, another question that everybody's getting to, and this is something that LAFC has done incredibly well, frankly, so far. It's the marketing. It's the jersey, yeah. or the uh, sorry, the hat and all the go- the gear. A lot of people are wondering when that jersey date might be. Do you have any insight on when uh, you guys might be releasing that? Uh, towards
1: the end of the year, I don't have the exact date, but um, we're going to release the jersey. Uh, we're still looking for our, our kit partner, our sponsor, and then we'll uh, – We'll get the jersey out. I can't wait to get it on sale and get it on people's backs. Uh, The hat, all of our gear is just flying off the shelves. It's really, really been interesting. And it was uh, Bill Clinton, by the way, down here downtown. Oh, wow.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I live down there. I'm going to have to wait a little bit to come home then on the walk home. might be a little busy. But, uh, Tom, you mentioned how it's flying off the shelves. I'm walking today. I'm doing my exercise. You know, I'm an old man, so I just like to walk around. I pick my head up just a couple of steps outside my door, and there's the LAFC hat that the, you know, the, the millennial is wearing. Uh, it's incredible uh, how much gear is out there, frankly, with that younger crowd. Was that something you guys specifically went after? Is that the younger football fan here in Los Angeles?
1: I think we wanted to go after the authentic football fan, the cool football fan, people that had some fashion sense uh, as well. Um, I think we'll see a lot of people, some wearing our gear that don't really, aren't necessarily fans of the club yet. They just like the colors. They like the fact that it's a cool expression of L.A. We never really targeted an age bracket. We didn't certainly target any demographic or any nationality or anything like that. We wanted to be authentically uh, representative of the city and appeal to everybody. And what's so interesting, when you look at all our season ticket deposits and when you watch the people come through our Experience Center, you just see a, a cross-section of L.A. It's almost a, a perfect blend of, uh, you know, the different races, the different ages uh, with a common thread that they just love the game. So I can't wait to see that first game as you look across the, the faces of all the people, every time we've had a big event, we've gotten over a thousand people there. I just see the faces and what you see is LA. You really see a perfect cross section of this, this mosaic of a place that we live. You know, you're able to free to be whatever you want to be in California. It's the American dream realized and it's just really a cool place to live. So. Given our uh, sport and where we are, that's that's who we have, we're have. we going to have in
0: the building. It's great. Of course, LAFC has uh, picked up Lanús forward Rodrigo Pacheco on loan. Uh, the big names are, of course, Bob Bradley as the manager and Carlos Vela coming in, a Mexican national team superstar. Uh, I suspect that's not the end of it, Tom, for you guys in terms of big names for this first season?
1: Well, I don't know about big names. You know, we're going to go after talent for sure at all levels. I don't know how many big, Big names will have, mm-hmm. you know, some of these talent we might get. They become big names as they perform here. That could be a possibility. Um, you know, I do know this: we need about 19 more players. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of transactions going on. You know, how it is with expansion, a lot of it happens at the end, December, January. So it'll be fun to see what we put together.
0: He's the owner and president of LAFC, ESPN NBA analyst Tom Penn. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it.
1: Okay, so, there, are you with us or what? I I, I know you're a big Galaxy fan, but we, we got to know if you want to give us a, give us a shot here.
0: Oh, Tom, I hate the fact that your stadium is fantastic and I can walk to it from where I live practically. I hate that your merchandise is the best looking stuff I've ever seen. I hate that you hire Bob Bradley and Carl, get Carlos Vela, and you're building everything. So well. That's all I can say right now, Tom, is that it's, it's, I'm not going to lie. I tell the truth. You guys are enough. doing it right. You're doing it right so there's far. A, That's just the bottom line.
1: enough hate in the world. There's <laughs> enough hate in the world. It's sports hate. It's sports hate, Tom.
0: It's, it's <laughs> love. <laughs> it's like it's sports hate. You know, it's like uh, the Lakers oh, yeah. sports hate the Trailblazers. They sports hate the uh, yeah, Golden State so Warriors. You know how it is.
1: So anytime you want to come visit, come visit. And we'll, we won't tell anybody, but we'd love for you to see the stadium or come to our experience center. And Open invitation.
0: Tom, I will take you up on that. Believe me, you got, like I said, I make no bones about it. They've heard it on this show from day one. You guys are doing it the right way. Continued success to you on and off the pitch when, it, when the time comes there next season. Great. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Tom Pan. Okay, bye-bye. He's the president and owner of LAFC, an ESPN and NBA analyst. So he's a member of the family as well. Sorry, Mario, I hung up on him there. Uh, that's, my, that's my bad. I got a little excited there. And he put me on the spot, right? He ends up interviewing me at the end there with that question on it. And I'm making no bones about it. Look, you've heard it here on the show. His organization is doing it right so far. I mean, they got a long way to go. And he even said that. Look, they got 19 players they still got to come up with. Or more, frankly. But you have to like what they're doing if you're just a sports fan and a soccer fan. So far, so good. Now you got to go out and win cups, and you got to win U.S. Open cups, and you got to win the Supporters' Shield eventually. It that takes a long time. It's hard to build. My Galaxy's got to rebuild, too. He had to bring that up, didn't he? Tom Penn, thanks so much for him uh, joining us. Appreciate the owner and president of LAFC joining us. Look, we got a lot to get to with the U.S. men's national team. Do not breathe easy, no matter what everybody's telling you, the day after that draw in Honduras. No, do not breathe a sigh of relief yet. We haven't qualified. We're not even close. Don't give me that. Everybody, oh, Bobby Wood saved us. Well, He got a point out of a mess of a game and saved Bruce Arena's bacon, I'll tell you that much and so much more. Coming up, Soccer Weekly. I'm Dave Dunholm. You are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California, presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2017 Toyota Camry LE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. You can follow me and respond to the show on Twitter if you prefer, at TalkSoccer, at talk Soccer. And uh, look, we got to talk about this U.S. men's national team. These two qualifiers that everybody thought were going to be like, oh, okay, Costa Rica at home, no problem. Costa Rica is good. Costa Rica is legit. And they proved it with a 4-0 win at Costa Rica earlier in qualifying against us and a 2-0 victory at Red Bull Arena. Just outside of New York City. Costa Rica, for real, they're better than us right now. They deserved it. We played like garbage. So going down to Honduras a few days later, yesterday, Tuesday, if you're listening to this on podcast, which you can get, by the way, on iTunes, Soccer Weekly, if you're listening to it at a later date. And look, the U.S. had to go down into San Pedro Sula. I mean, come on. Anybody expecting us to go down there and get a 3-0 victory like it was a walk in the park is nuts. And Honduras got that early goal. The pressure's mounting. I was chewing through my fingernails watching that game metaphorically because my finger i don't have any finger but you get the point it was a mess and bruce arena's bacon was saved by putting in bobby wood good subs by the way bruce arena did a fine job with the substitutes think he always waits too long with that final offensive sub when you're losing one nil that's just me all u.s coaches have done it i don't know why they wait till the 75th minute But it worked out in the sense of they got a draw. Now everybody just was like, okay, whew. We're good now. We gotta No! Panama is in third. The last of the automatic qualifying spots. The United States is in fourth. Currently tied with Honduras on nine points. People, wake up. This qualifying is far from over. The United States plays Panama Friday, October sixth. It is one of the biggest games. In US history. That is not hyperbole. Now you can say, well, Denholm, they played Mexico in the World Cup to go to the quarter I mean, to go to the you know whatever, round of eight, you know, get to the quarterfinals, and we beat Mexico in South Korea, Japan in two thousand. That was the biggest game. This is one of the biggest games. If the United States does not beat Panama, or worse yet, loses to Panama at home, look out. The United States is nowhere near a certainty to qualify for this World Cup. And that scares me silly. We are way too good to be playing like this. I am tired of, well, the heat. Oh, the heat. We had to ration our, 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 our uh, I guess our effort, for lack of a better word. Oh, the heat was killing us. Stop with that. You ever seen an MLS game in July in uh, Orlando? Guess what? These guys play in heat. It's one of the reasons Bruce Arena used a, a heavily laden MLS roster for this, for this game. Stop with the excuses. The U.S. should be better than this. We are better than this. And I would be going off a lot more on Bruce Arena, but I'm still going to. He got saved by a Kellen Acosta magical free kick. That basically disrupted Honduras' defense so dramatically we were able to calmly put that home. Thank you, Bobby Wood. Otherwise, that game was a mess. And stop uh, destroying Omar Gonzalez. Go rewatch the goal. Omar, screw that play up, no doubt. He's partially responsible for that Honduras goal, yes. Did you see the midfield in the build-up to that play? Neither did I for the U.S., There was none. They were non-existent defensively and allowed Honduras time and space on the ball to pick out the perfect pass and the perfect run. And Omar Gonzalez had to try to make it up defensively. And yeah, he went to ground and it didn't work out. Ball popped out perfectly for Honduras and they scored. Okay, it's the midfield's fault on that goal. Go rewatch it for crying out loud. That team was lackadaisical and was looking for the heat excuse from the minute one. And that's unacceptable. If the United States thinks they're going to waltz past Panama despite, even just because we're at home and then go to Trinidad and Tobago, go on the road to try to get a result, what if we need a result? That's insane to think the United States is just, oh, wow, shoo, got that draw in Honduras. We're, we're through. No way. I am nervous as all get out. And can you imagine a World Cup without the U.S. right now? That should be a very scary proposition for you. I don't care if you're a Mexico fan or you're a fan of Costa Rica and you don't love the United States listening here to Soccer Weekly. We got plenty of you, too, here listening. I get that. We all love the beautiful game, but I can't fathom a World Cup. I couldn't fathom a World Cup the last time when Graham Zusi saved Mexico. I couldn't fathom a World Cup without Mexico. And I don't even want to think. It gives me chills to think about a World Cup without the U.S. We have work to do. And we have to, as a U.S. soccer community, have to start holding U.S. soccer responsible for these lackluster, awful qualification performances. These games are massive. Enough is enough, Bruce. I'm sick of Bruce Arena. All he wants to do is tell everybody how little they know about soccer compared to him. Yeah, Bruce, I get it. It's your job, big guy. You're supposed to know more about soccer than the average soccer reporter slash fan. How about showing us it on the pitch with your team? Tired of that, too. You know who I'm not tired of? It's a guy I'm talking to next. I talk with Galaxy present and past. We get into it all. We're going to break it down. Oh, This guy is great. Galaxy legend Kobe Jones. Going to be joining me next here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunholm here on ESPN LA 710, and we are joined now by Galaxy Legend. He's also the color commentator for Galaxy Television and for Fox Sports, a man I know very well, Kobe Jones, taking the time. Kobe, thanks so much, brother. Appreciate it.
2: Uh, not a problem. Thanks for having me,
0: Dave. Kobe, let's get right to it. What are the main reasons for the Galaxy's struggles this year? <laughs> wow,
2: you're jumping right into it, aren't you? <laughs> As like James Brown, just bam. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I mean, I think there's a variety of reasons. I don't think it's any one issue, yeah. you know, with the Galaxy. I think there's been a, a lack of production up top. Uh, I think there's been uh, inconsistency in the back, where you're bringing in a variety of different players playing uh, in new positions. Uh, there's the There's been a rash of injuries that have gone through. I I mean, I guess you could say it's just like everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Galaxy. You know, now this is a club, and organization that has had quite a bit of success over, you know, the course of MLS. Uh, but this is, seems to be one of those stumbling blocks.
0: Well, you mentioned that they've had so much success, Kobe, and we see that actually in the way they respond to this kind of season where, unfortunately, someone has to pay for that. That's Curtinolfo. They bring in mm-hmm. Siggy Schmidt, who's obviously had success as a manager. What kind of a manager is he for a player, Kobe?
2: Uh, look, I had uh, Ziggy early on in his career as a professional coach, and I think, uh, you know, number one, as far as players are concerned, there's that – for Ziggy there's that instant respect you yeah. so know he's been here within the league he's won championships on multiple teams so players know that there's the respect there and the understanding that he knows how to get things done let's not forget it. he's won in he won in LA in, in um he won in Columbus as well so he he knows exactly what he's doing he knows the uh american player and as far as my relationship with Ziggy and seeing him over the years he has a good uh vision and understanding of talent he can spot talent with players that are just starting out and envision them into the future of what they're going to be and i think he's done that consistently you know when he was a college coach all the way into his professional career
0: you mentioned Zig again spot talent for the future do the galaxy need to make wholesale changes for 2018 or is it more of kind of pick and choose a little bit
2: well, I, I think there's going to be, you know, look, no, no team ever goes really like wholesale. There's always going to be some, and I think the Galaxy are going to uh, go in the same route as far as they will pick and choose. I mean, I, as you've seen, there's been quite a bit of turnover, you know, as far as players going in, players getting injured. I, I think the Galaxy will pick and choose in certain positions. Now, will it be more than most? Yes, but I think I think there needs to be some some changes. But I I, I would say. Either, even some major changes if, if necessary. You know, if that is, that entails moving along DP players to find room for others that can make your team better, then so be it, because it's not about the individual players, it's about the club.
0: We are talking with uh, Galaxy legend Kobe Jones. Of course, he does a color commentary for Galaxy's television broadcast and for Fox Sports. Kobe, let me ask you this. What other teams in MLS have impressed you this year?
2: Well, uh, I think... You know, I always, you know, Toronto has mm-hmm. been just absolutely stellar. You know, they they look like a machine that can't be stopped. You know, they, I don't I don't know who's going to be able to really uh, put a dent in anything that they're trying to do. Um, as far as uh, I would say, New York Red Bulls, I, I I like what I saw as far as. How they tended to—they started out a little bit slow, changing their style of play, and then all of a sudden they established that rhythm, and then they started getting better and better. I I love that in the way that has been. Portland, I really liked at the beginning of the season. They seem to be going through some issues right now. I mean, at the beginning of the season, I was going to—I would have said Portland. You know, they're contenders. Mm -hmm. You know, for the title, I still think they are. You know, but. They were pretty dominant at the beginning of the year, and then obviously, uh, you know, I think Seattle is really starting to come into its own, where things are starting to click. You know, so those are the teams that have stand out. Which, you know, you hear that, everyone goes, oh yeah, well those are top teams. Well, that's why, because they've been playing well. You know, that's why they've impressed me. Which is a significant difference when you think about it, going to last year you know, with the teams that were in the playoffs
0: and such. We are on uh, Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. I'm Dave Dunholm, joined by Kobe Jones. And, Kobe, let's have some fun with this. I want to go down uh, memory lane here as a, a diehard Galaxy fan, and just the the fact that you are truly a legend of this club. Who was your favorite Galaxy teammate to play with?
2: Uh, to play with? A, I had some I had some great teammates. You, you did. Know? Yes, you <laughs> did. And, and to be honest, When you have a when you're part of a team that's winning, it's it's almost every every time. It's always fun. It always it's fun going into training. It's fun playing games. You
0: know.
2: Yeah. Uh, So I would. I mean, the favorite overall, I'd say one of the best had to be as far as the play and everything had to be Carlos Ruiz. Mm -hmm. You know, just because actually having him just an out and out goal scorer was was fun for me. That's what every team needs. Every team wants someone that hey, you give him the ball and he takes a shot. You know, over you know, 60, 70% of the time, he's going to put it in the back of the net. That was great. Uh, another player, uh, I like Ezra Hendrickson. You know, we always used to talk smack to each other nonstop, you know, <laughs> with each other, about others, everything. It was great. That was another player that I always had a good time. And then Jorge Campos, you know, he's another one. he always, nothing ever bothered that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, win, lose, draw, he was always smiling, you know, so uh, I would say he's another one. But there's quite a few guys over the years that I had some good times with.
0: With the, hey, the way Jorge Compost life went, what would what was be upset about? Right, the hair that he had, the, the smile that he had. Who could be upset if you're Jorge Compost? Yeah, exactly.
2: He, he was doing it all. You exactly. Know, the first year he comes into the league, he's taking helicopters to games and driving a Ferrari. <laughs> it's not bad.
0: <laughs> well, this is and along those lines. 2002, and you mentioned Color 3s, Obviously that's a, that's a a year I think about a lot believe it or not I really do it's it was just such a magical year what would you say is, though the biggest difference between MLS overall Kobe from then like 2002 right around that era to now
2: the money <laughs> I, I think is uh, significantly higher yeah. uh I, I think it overall for the whole league even for the minimum uh salary player you, you know i think it's much better n- now than it was uh, back then uh, I, I think now we're seeing as far as the level of play within the league I would say and in, because in, everyone always asks me oh could the teams of yesterday compete with today of course yeah. they can compete the only issue is is that the teams of back in the day it was maybe uh, four teams three or four teams compared to what you have now where you have like eight nine teams that it can really compete which is which is great to see it shows the growth of the league Now people tend to pretend to forget those early years of MLS you know pretty much nine out of the 11 players on a team were on some sort of national team yeah. you know so that 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 gives you an idea if you had that now you'd be going that team's stacked yeah, you know absolutely so people have to remember that, that there is a lot of talent you know, at that time. So, yes, we could compete back then as
0: well. Well, you, you, speaking of national teams, you played over, I think, 160 times for the U.S. Who's the best player you ever played against? Just once you got onto the field, Kobe, I mean, we all know who great names are. Once you were on that pitch against a certain, who was the best that you saw?
2: Oh, geez, that I was a, that I physically played against? Yes. You know, like, uh, one, 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 I, can't, I cannot to this day I cannot remember the name of the player, but I will tell you it was, a, a, it was when we went to Russia. And I was playing against this Russian guy, and he was like 6'5". He was in the midfield of all places. <laughs> and he was making these runs from, uh, as I was right wing, he was like a left midfielder. He would be making these, uh, the best way to describe it is powerful runs across the, the full Field and I had to chase him, you know? <laughs> and it was it was exhausting and tiring. And that to this day, I, I think he was one of the toughest guys uh, I, I had to play against. But but as far as a player that I consistently went up against in Concacaf, and I thought was tough, I'd say Ramon Ramirez. You know, we had a matchup where we played head to head constantly for years uh, within the national team. You know, probably about probably about eight years, we yeah. always matched up with each other.
0: Well, let me end on a, a reasonably funny note here, hopefully, but, uh, you know, I'm still going to ask this question, Kobe. We're talking with Kobe Jones, Galaxy legend here on Soccer Weekly. Do you hate Rafa Marquez?
2: Serious, I'm serious <laughs> now. You know,
0: I mean, do you hate Rafa Marquez? No, I, I mean,
2: there's it's uh, one of those things where I I don't have any particular feelings towards Rafa Marquez, you know. Um, I, I still you know, look at that play and kind of laugh, you know, that was, uh, that was the play that really solidified it, you know, our victory yep. within the, uh, the world cup. I, I look at it and just go, you know, like, whatever, I'm still waiting for my apology. <laughs> you, know, you can pass that on to him. still waiting for the apology from him. still haven't gotten that. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but no, I don't, I don't hate Rafa Marquez. I know people uh, get caught up in the moment and, you know, Rafa just, he, he lost his cool, yeah. you know, he lost his cool and it cost his team, you know, that's a, uh, you know, that's his, worry, not mine.
0: See, as a U.S. fan, when I saw that, obviously I was concerned for you, you know, certainly, physically and everything. I hope, hope you were perfectly fine. But I love that that happened because you were beating them. You know, like, you, you put it best. That, that doesn't happen unless you're beating someone. You know, and he lost exactly. his head, and that that was yeah, their frustration as long as you were okay, that was beautiful to me <laughs> because that was awesome the way you summed that up with the frustration on Mexico's part in that classic game, certainly, and Kobe Jones was a huge part of that. He's been a huge part of the galaxy from the day they began until now, and he continues with that. uh again, check him out as a color commentator, of course, for the television broadcast and on Fox Sports. Kobe Jones joining us here on Soccer Weekly. Kobe, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. I appreciate it.
2: Not a problem.
0: Thanks, Dave. Always a pleasure to talk to the legend, Kobe Jones. And again, thanks so much to him for joining us here. This is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm, brought to you by Puente Hills Toyota. Look, I want to hear about a team that Kobe spent a lot of time with, the U.S. national team and their qualifications. Are you nervous? We've got a game against Panama on October 6th and at Trinidad and Tobago just four days later on October 10th. This is not over. The United States must qualify. I'm getting texts and tweets. Got a great tweet from uh, my buddies over at Yanks Call It Soccer saying, uh, yeah, soccer growth in America depends on us getting to the World Cup. If we fail to qualify, 10 steps backwards. I wish I could disagree. 877-710-ESPN, 877 710 Hit me up on Twitter. Follow me there at TalkSoccer. I am Dave at home, and you are listening to Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710 presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2017 Toyota Camry LE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. Once again, you can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It is ESPN LA 710. Don't forget, head on over to iTunes if you want the podcast, which uh, George and uh, and Jesse do a great job getting that to me. Jorge, appreciate it. And uh, they get that to me very quickly, and uh, we're able to get that up for uh, the podcast version of it on iTunes. Head over to iTunes, search Soccer Weekly. Make sure you find the uh, show with the perfect crest that ESPN LA 710 built for the show. It's fantastic looking. And uh, subscribe, rate, and review that. And I really appreciate all of you who have so far. It's been fantastic. Now, look, if you hate the show, dude, I can take it. Just go ahead. Give me the review. Rate it. That's fine. I understand. I'm not everyone's cup of tea, despite what my mother says that you should love me. I get it. But come on, this is a, this is the home of world football here, all throughout the United States. Really, it's the best show. Come on, who are we kidding? It's Soccer Weekly, and you're going to love it. At Talk Soccer on Twitter, eight seven 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 ten ESPN, eight seven 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 ten three seven seven six. A number to get involved. I'm scared for the U.S.'s chances. Now, look, I still believe in this team. I believe the United States can win the World Cup. Yeah, you heard that here first from me, about five years ago. And you don't want to know one of the main reasons why I believe that? Because people just rip on me for that all the time. Oh, you're insane, Denholm. One of the main reasons I believe the United States can win the World Cup? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. They were within an eyelash of the semifinals, just the very last World Cup, with the same group of players, most of them, who are still playing now and doing very well for Costa Rica. Now, look, I know Costa Rica's beaten us this cycle. I get it. They're better than us right now. But if Costa Rica and their manager at the time, who now manages Honduras, ironically, Jorge Luis Pinto, said, hey, we can win. And they went out and made it almost to the semifinals. You get to the quarterfinals of the World Cup, which the United States has in the past, remember 2002. You get out of your group in the World Cup, which the U.S. pretty much does. You can win. You can absolutely win. So don't give me this, the United States. Oh, man, don't worry about it now. I'm worried about qualifying because I want to win the World Cup, and you don't win if you don't go. And that's why qualifying is so crucial. And these qualifying matches, we see it in Conmey Ball. We see it in UEFA. You have to watch and follow these things. They are dynamic. I cover the UEFA qualifiers. I did a lot of them for Fox over the last week, and they are amazing, too. Conmeball, are you kidding me? 18 of the toughest matches your country has to go through. You know it. You driving on the 405. You're a fan of Peru. I get it. You, the dude who's stuck on the 105 right now from uh, Paraguay. Yes. Qualification is magic. And, yes, it's gut-wrenching. I did not enjoy that U.S. game against Honduras at all. When Bobby Wood scored late, it was relief, not joy. I didn't love it. Not for one second, but so what? That's the beauty of it, right? It matters. Those games matter. Mario, it's our favorite time. What time is it, brother? Yeah, right now joining me is the great Mario Rees, the producer of this show. Mario, what do we got in stoppage time? All
2: right, Dave, thank you. So we've heard all about a spygate with the Patriots, right? Yeah, sure. And we heard about the Gate as well. Absolutely. But now we got pie gates. <laughs> 45-year-old keeper Wayne Shaw has been banned for two months after eating a pie. That's right, a pie during a Sutton United and Arsenal FA Cup match. A gambling commission probe has ruled he influenced the football betting market and brought the game into disrepute. Poor guy. I mean, it seems harmless. The guy seems like a nice guy, but now he's been
0: sacked. He's without a job. Well, yeah, I think some of the problem was weren't they I think books were like taking odds on it and that was kind of the yeah. issue, like saying, will he be caught on camera eating a pie or something like that. So And indeed he was. Yeah, look. Hey, who am I to criticize a man who wants to stop his workout to eat a little something? I've been known. <laughs> I have too. been known. And if my wife's listening to this, I, I don't want to say this, but I stopped about midway through my workout walk today to get some food at a new restaurant in downtown LA. Yes, I did. <laughs> so it does happen. Who am I to, to criticize this guy? But you got to be a little careful there when it comes to that. I I don't blame them for the ruling. I hope he can afford. I think he got fined, what, almost 400 pounds? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, over there. So that's a lot of you know a lot of money for a guy who's playing or was playing in like the fifth division or something. So yeah, that's a good story. Very interesting. Hey, this has been Soccer Weekly. Thanks so much. Go to iTunes, check out the podcast. Just uh, search Soccer Weekly. Thanks to Mario Rees. Thanks, Jorge. Appreciate your work as well. Thanks to LAFC owner and president Tom Penn and the great Kobe Jones. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA seven ten.